everyone, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we are doing our Criterion of the Month Club. Uh, but as I was as I was watching this movie, uh, I realized it is actually not a Criterion movie, uh, which is perfect because I already did a Criterion movie this month for um, Do the Right Thing. So this is it's it's all working out exactly as it was supposed to, which is perfect. Uh, the movie for this month is Cinema Paradiso. Uh, and it is, uh, like I said, I thought it was a Criterion movie. It's not. Uh, but it is an Italian film. It is on HBO Max. And <clears throat> it turns out the reason I picked this, it, it was one of the movies I watched that's part of IMDb's top 250 films. Uh, so it is a really well-known film, really well-made film. And uh, it won an Oscar in uh, 1990 for uh, an Academy Award for Best Foreign Film of that year, uh, which is fantastic. So uh, if you're on HBO Max, there are two different versions of this film that you can watch. You can either watch the regular version, uh, which is 124 minutes, uh, two hours and four minutes, or there's a director's cut, which is 173 minutes, which is essentially a little bit less than um, three hours. I would recommend the regular version, which, again, is that international cut. And the reason why, uh, I have not seen the director's cut, but I read a couple of different articles from some film uh, reviewers or film critics. Uh, I believe it was on, one of them was on Ebert's website. And uh, essentially, uh, in Italy, this film was made, it was made and is made by, uh, directed and written by Giuseppe Tornatore, and the film is very was very long and bloated, and when it was released at the time, it was not released to very well reviews uh, in Italy. Uh, there was a lot of issues with that it was too long and uh, this, that, and the other, and so they shortened it down to that two hours and four minutes and released it that way internationally, and it did really, really well. Obviously, it won an Oscar for for that. And so a lot of the extra scenes, uh, and I read through what those scenes are too, and I've seen this movie a few times, so I know where they fit into it. They don't make sense. I mean, they're going to give you a little bit more context to the film, I'm sure, but uh, the film is so good by itself that um, I, I, you don't need to, unless you certainly want to, and if so, congratulations. I hope you, I hope you find the time to set aside three hours to watch this film. Uh, and again, the reason I say that is because the film is completely in Italian. It is uh, with English subtitles, and I love it. I am Italian, so uh, it was great to watch. I, I love hearing Italian. It was, it was fantastic. And uh, yeah, so we'll we'll dive right into the film. So, Cinema Paradiso is a story about a young boy. And or I mean, he turns into a man, but he uh, kind of goes through his life in Italy as a uh, a lover of film, and so uh, it opens in the present day. He's an adult. He's in his his he is a middle aged adult at this point, but he receives a phone call from someone who says that Alfredo's funeral is coming up, and he seems kind of shocked. And uh, and and I'll I'll pause there too. There really aren't any spoilers for this film, but I'm going to be talking about spoilers for it. And and just you know, for anyone who's new, I'm always going to be talking about spoilers on these podcasts unless I announce that I won't be. Um, so it, he does that. He kind of goes to bed, and then it flashes back to when he's a little kid in Italy. And there's a, a movie theater in the town that he lives called Cinema Paradiso. And he he is just the cutest little kid. And his name he his uh, name is Salvatore, but uh, he goes by Toto. 
or that's kind of his nickname. And so he's just, he's one of the most adorable little kids that I've ever seen. That's one of the reasons I love this film so much. Uh, there's just, and there's a lot of really great scenes I'm sure you've seen on, you know, film advertisements at one point or another in your life of him like peeking through the theater curtains, looking absolutely adorable. There's a scene, there's scenes where he's like peeking around corners and he's just, he's just the cutest little kid. But, uh, the guy who runs the theater uh, is Alfredo. And so you kind of go, okay, all right, you kind of know how the movie's going to end, but you don't really because um, he, uh, it's assumed that he just dies of old age, so you never, you never really get to see him die. But um, he runs the movie theater, and it's just an old-timey movie theater. This takes place in the 1950s, uh, or I guess late 1940s maybe, or, uh, or it's, yeah, and the, the present day takes place in 1988, uh, this film came out in 1990 um, in in America, but so it, it takes place kind of in the past. And so the films are the old; they're old black and white films. They have sound, but they're all in Italian, which is great. There's like a John Wayne movie that plays in in Italian that he, you know, they love. But um, he's just he, he. You see how much he loves the cinema, and this film does such a good job of showing the power of the cinema there are scenes where uh you know it's just the camera's just on the theater of all the people and you've got those little certain people who you kind of watch and grow throughout the film there's a couple there's a guy who's like sits in this one spot of the theater to watch his movies and there's a girl who sits up in the top balcony and then eventually there's a scene where they like look at each other from afar and then there's a scene in the future and another scene in the in the movie where uh they're holding hands they're finally sitting next to each other and then there's a scene towards the end of the movie where they're in the theater in a different seat but they have a baby with them because they got married and had kids uh and then other people like you you just hear all the different reasons why people go to the movies like one guy comes in he's like i'm trying to sleep and then someone else was like you know i left my i left my sick wife to see this movie like you better play it it was you know on a time when the movie wasn't playing tons of kids in there having fun and what was interesting too is that the priest in the town he actually screens the movies and rings a bell whenever uh whenever there is a scene with any sort of pda in it at all a kiss a touch and uh, Alfredo up top marks that on the film and cuts it out. And so all the movies have no romance scenes. And there's a there's a bunch of funny bits in the film where, uh, you know, the guys are like, I haven't seen a, a, a kiss on a screen in 20 years. This is insane, Alfredo. And uh, uh, but it's just it's hilarious because, you know, it's a very it's a very Catholic town. And uh, eventually, though, he. Uh, you know, the little boy runs upstairs. He's like, you know, I want to work with you. And he's like, no, no, I'll never like go home. I'll never work with you. He's kind of a, he's kind of a grumpy old man, but he, he starts to take to Toto. And part of that, part of the reason why is Toto gets in trouble a lot with his family and with those around him. And that's because he doesn't have a dad. Uh, his father went to war in Russia. The mom keeps saying that he's coming back, but we all know that he ha isn't. And then eventually he does find out through film uh, because at the beginning of a lot of these films, there are newsreels. But back in the day, they would have newsreels in front of the film. And in one of them, they, you know, it sort of reveals that the father passed away in the war. And, you know, they just now found out sort of thing. So he's got, I mean, there's there's a scene where he's got like a, he's got a sort of tin can under his bed of old bits of film reel from that theater that he looks at and pretends uh, to act out the scenes. He's just, he sounds like what I would have been if I'd have grown up in Italy at the Cinema Paradiso. It would have been exactly me. I would have, I would have been doing that, spending every day I could at the movie theater. But eventually, 
in a really funny twist of events, uh, Toto is taking his like uh, exam, a school exam, and they bring in a bunch of adults who have been taking night classes to also take the exam. And Alfredo is there. And Alfredo's like sitting right next to him on the other side of the aisle. And Alfredo is struggling with this test. And he can't, he's like, I can't, he can't figure it out. He can't figure out what the answers are. And so he's trying to get uh, Toto, this little kid, to like help him cheat. And it's so funny. He's like, no, no. And he, he's like, you basically like, you know, you told me you wouldn't help me make movies or help me operate the the um, the theater. So why would I help you? And so he kind of makes some some hand gestures to him to say, like, if you let me work with you, I will give you the answers or something. And he's like, fine. And so he like tosses him a little piece of paper. But so that's how it starts. And so uh, Alfredo really takes a shine to him. And, and you notice as the movie goes on that Alfredo is, is a, it's basically his father. And he's a huge father figure in his life, uh, teaching him the ways of how to operate the projector and uh, talking about film, giving him advice as he grows up. And so eventually, um, there's a just an amazing scene where, again, just the power of the, the movies, where they're, they're showing a movie in the theater, and it was absolutely packed, and it's getting late, so they're like, we're closing up, but there's still more people who are there that want to see the film, and they're like, no, no, go home, and, and Alfredo and Toto are upstairs, and Alfredo's like, watch this, and he, he maneuvers the mirror uh, lens for the projector so that it shoots out of the window of the, the cinema up top, and shines it onto a building outside. So the film is playing on the outside of the building, much like when I was growing up and would watch films on the outside of my house. Uh, and I'm sure so many of you as well have had experiences like that. And all these people are out in the in the middle of the square cheering and just enjoying this film. And again, it's like this black and white movie that, you know, today you'd be like, oh, this is dumb. But, you know, you think about back then in the 50s, like that had to have been the coolest experience ever. But surprisingly, when that happens, I don't know what it is, whether something overheats or not, but the, the projector catches on fire and the building actually burns down. And in the process, Alfredo gets pretty badly burned and goes blind. And so uh, what ends up happening is, and again, there's there's these little um, little vignettes throughout the, uh, throughout the film. There's a guy who ends up winning the lottery. Uh, and everyone like races out of the theater to go talk with him and, you know, congratulate him and whatnot. Uh, but so the theater burns down. And they're like, I don't know how we're going to be able to, like, Alfredo's gone. What are we going to do? And it it focuses in on that guy. And he kind of gives this look like he's going to finance the theater. So he uses his lottery money to rebuild the theater. And he says, like, I, I'm listed as the projectionist, but Toto is the one who is doing all of the projection work. All the money goes to him because he is the only one who knows how to, how to work the projector, which was so cool. And so you kind of go through there. Alfredo comes back. They're best buddies. And then he grows up. And so the next, the next set of his life is him as, as a teenager. He's in high school. And it's you know classic, just like a film. He falls in love with a girl that he can't have. They're in love, but her father won't let it happen. Eventually, they get separated, um, and then eventually he goes. He has to go off to war, and there's a really powerful scene where um, Alfredo essentially tells him like, um, "Change is really hard, and you think you know you stay in the same place for too long, and you start thinking that nothing is ever going to change." But then you leave for a year or two, and when you come back, everything has changed. And just just the, a great reminder of like, you know, it, it may seem like you're stuck in a rut, but, you know, take a step back, go take a walk, go do something else, and you'll find that quite a bit has changed. Obviously, that's a bad example. But um, but so he does. And, and, and when he says goodbye, though, he says, don't come back. 
He says, don't, don't ever think about us. Don't visit. Don't get nostalgic. Don't write letters because if you come back, you will never leave and you are meant for something so great. Go out and find it. It was so powerful. He basically tells him to pursue his destiny and uh, never look back, even even to come visit. And it's like, wow. And so then, and, and that's essentially the end, except for, you know, then now we flash back to the present day and he... Um, he's got a, uh, it's his funeral, Alfredo's funeral. And so he shows up to the funeral. It's like, wow, you know, weird to be back. But his wife, Alfredo's wife tells him, you know, Alfredo thought about you every single day, talked about you all the time, followed all of your successes and, um, and had something for you and, and gives him this film reel. And you're like, oh, you know, well, what is this? And so he goes into a theater. And, and at, the, at the exact same time, the cinema is actually being demolished uh, as well. So he gets to watch the whole cinema get demolished, which I'm sure was very cathartic for him for sure. But um, so he puts this reel in. And Alfredo made a reel of all of the spliced sequences from all of the films that the priest made him cut. And it, and he's just sitting there watching it crying uh, just thinking like, you know, cause it, and, and it, it goes back to the, those first few scenes where he's cutting them out and, uh, yeah, Salvatore Toto is like, can I have those reels or those pieces that you've cut? Like, what are you going to do? Throw them away? He's like, no, I spliced them back before I returned the, the thing. So he really wasn't doing that, but, uh, it was just really cool to see. And again, there's just, there's so many great scenes, um, there's some bits here and I, cause I took, as I'm trying to do now, I, I took some notes, but like, there's these two guys who are watching the beginning of the movie of a movie and it's text on the screen. And the one guy says, what does it say? And the other guy looks at him and goes, how should I know I'm illiterate? And he's like, yeah, me too. And then the other guy who came in, he's like, I want to sleep. And then, um, yeah, so the film, I, I caught on fire and um, it's just it. There's just so many little bits that it's even hard to track on. But it's like each person's a tiny little character in that theater, and it really, really goes to show just how powerful film is, and how how powerful going actually going to the movies is to to experience something with other people around you. And so, uh, in the spirit of that, and again, like I said, this isn't you know a Criterion movie that we're diving into. This is just a movie I really wanted to talk about. Uh, again, I thought it was Criterion, but it's not. But uh, this is the perfect movie for June, I think, because right now we are in a time where you know all movie theaters are closed and we're being told to not be around other people. And uh, obviously, you know, we got to follow that. But uh, it's really tough sometimes, especially with theaters, because I I would uh, I don't know what I would do if movie theaters went away. Uh, obviously we would be okay as a society we would be fine we can watch those movies on tv we can stream them that's all well and good though but that experience of being in a theater watching a you know 300 uh foot screen or whatever you know not a 70 inch certainly is something 10 times as big watching your favorite movie on the big screen there's just there's nothing that replaces that getting to eat popcorn and, uh, you know, sip on your soda, or for me, you know, I'm typically drinking water, but um, there's just something so magical about that, and I really wanted to call that out, because this movie highlights that, that is the, that is the whole point of this movie, is how powerful film is, and how, how powerful being at the movies is, and so in that spirit, I actually wrote an essay about this, 
And so I'm going to, so everything I've told you so far, all of that was off the cuff and, you know, minus the notes that I took script wise, but uh, I just jotted down. It's, it's, it's uh, an essay about kind of the, the thoughts that I had from this film. And so I'm going to read this to you guys and uh, that is going to be this episode. But like I said, I, I hope you guys get something from this because I'm really going to be diving into um, some pretty interesting things, I think. Uh, but let me know because um, I, I you know, just typed this up just a little bit ago. But uh, the reason I chose Cinema Paradiso, besides it being a great movie, is that it is all about the love of movies. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a strong chance that you would put yourself in the movie lover category. But I think often people don't understand why they love movies. Honestly, you don't really need to know why. It's enough to sit down and watch a film and get the experience told through the screen. But I want to try and dive deeper into understanding this deeply human experience. I want to preface this by saying that I took one film class in college and have been a film student ever since. Uh, Not by taking classes, but uh, trying to learn as much as I can from the internet, from friends, family, relatives. Uh, I have always loved the movies, and especially going to see movies in theaters. Back in 2016, I had a New Year's resolution to dive even further into film by watching all of the top 250 films as ranked by IMDb. I did so, and I also did a lot more than that you know, as I do when I, you know, with my OCD tendencies. But uh, as of this recording, I have over 3,000 ratings on IMDb. So I've seen quite a few movies. Uh, and I say all of this to say that I certainly am not an expert, but I have been doing enough to educate myself that I think this analyzation shouldn't sound too crazy. So for something as amazing as film, we need to go all the way back to the beginning. And by that, I mean the beginning of recorded history. When early tribes and societies worshipped gods and deities to varying degrees, pagans, Greek, Roman, Egyptian, every culture has this basis of larger-than-life beings who do amazing and incredible things. Storytellers would share these tales of the gods around fires and in town squares, trying to sound as hyperbolic and exciting as possible, as crowds sat in awe, listening to stories about Anubis and Hercules. These stories, which have very little when it comes to actual evidence, enthralled people. It didn't matter whether the story was true or not, because truth was not what people were looking for. They were looking for escape. I want to preface again that I was not around during this time, nor am I an expert in ancient history, but I have a pretty good idea of the human condition, as that seems to be one of the few unchanging things in life. Humans are one of the few creatures on the planet that understand our own mortality. We see others around us dying, and instead of brushing it off, although that seems to happen more and more lately, We contemplate and wonder when we will be next. How long will we last? Will I live forever? But beyond that, humans take things one step further. What happens after we die? I know this is a question I struggle with on an almost daily basis to varying degrees of anxiety, but for many out there, they are perfectly content with the answers they receive from whatever religious doctrine or belief system they follow, and there's nothing wrong with that. I would bet that that is why religion was created in the first place. Gods, 
larger than life, hiding above the clouds, waiting for us to join them for eternity, able to do whatever we want, essentially the exact opposite of the life that we have on earth. This is an idea that has been passed down for thousands of years across the globe. The stories of ancients, death in the afterlife, tales of heroics, good versus evil, these things continue to fascinate us because they are a part of what makes us human. We as humans have the ability to believe in something bigger than ourselves. Most animals out there care only about their survival and how to get from one meal to the next. You won't see a lion waiting in line to go to the movies unless it's MGM. Uh, as humans, not only do we have the ability to believe in something greater, we want to. Depending on the life experiences you've had, there have probably been times where you didn't like what was going on in your world on any given day, and you decided to daydream instead, or go to sleep and dream of something that isn't whatever your life is right now. This is, again, another incredibly human thing to do. And even as I type this, I find myself digging deeper and deeper into this idea. Escape has been used with such a negative connotation. Movies are just an escapist fantasy. Video games are just for zoning out. Hey, pay attention to me. It doesn't even seem like you're in your body right now. Is that because our brains are truly wanting to escape? That our higher selves see the limits of our human body and want to escape out of that and into something bigger? Something that can properly fit the size of our imagination? Maybe. I'm not sure, because I just realized this right now, so I have no way of confirming it, but it's an interesting thought. While I do agree, escaping is not the best answer, it often is the easiest one, and for the most part, it's pretty harmless. There is nothing wrong about staring out your window at the rain and wishing that you were at the beach. The argument can be made that daydreaming and escaping prevents you from enjoying the present moment, and that's true. But if I had to choose between staring out the window of a car ride for six hours or spending a few of those hours pretending that I just won the lottery, I'd rather do that. So, throughout history, stories and tales have been told from one generation to the next. Tales of gods turned into tales of knights, that turned into war stories. These stories, spun by those who could truly ignite the imagination, gave so many people around the world the ability to escape, even if for a moment, into a world where everything is idealized, where there is perfection and other unobtainable things in life. And then came the advent of the camera. Suddenly, films are being made, even if silent, they are telling stories that people had no idea that were possible. Characters such as Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton were born, while movies about war and love and adventure stoked the minds and hearts of thousands, maybe even millions. And you fast forward to today, and I, I say so, so that we aren't spending too much time on this, but to acknowledge as well that this was a revolution probably every 10 years of huge new movies coming out. But fast forwarding to today, or more specifically to April 26th, 2019, opening night for Avengers Endgame. 
the largest grossing movie of all time and uh, one of the biggest phenomenons ever. Each theater across the country packed to the gills as fans, young and old, sit in silence watching their favorite characters come to terms with a terrible loss. All of a sudden, Captain America says, let's go get this son of a bitch, and the theater erupts. How is that possible? This isn't just one person screaming, nor is this just one theater doing this, but countrywide, nay, worldwide. Captain America stands alone facing the armies of Thanos and hears, on your left, and people are standing up from the seats cheering. I'm getting chills just saying it. Cries can be heard and clapping ensues. This doesn't make sense. Or does it make complete sense? All of the elements are there. You have a story of good and evil, fought by people with extraordinary powers, dealing with literal life and death. But this story is no different than the story told in ancient Greece by actors at a Greek amphitheater. Separated only by thousands of years, this same storytelling technique is creating worlds and wonders for people to escape to. The only difference now is how big the screen is and how much movie budget there is. But that means movies will only become more and more immersive. Imagine being Toto, running the Cinema Paradiso as Star Wars is coming out, or Godfather, or The Avengers. The people would have lost their minds. They wouldn't know how to comprehend the CGI and the expert acting, the cinematography. As time goes on, movies become better and better. But this is only half of the equation. Humans, with all of their flaws, have another trait that can't be forgotten. The idea of not being alone. We are born alone, and we die alone, but during that time in between, we spend a lot of it trying to be with others. Connecting with other humans is also another thing that separates us from the creatures on this planet. And it goes to show why things have gotten so terrible in the world, because those in power are trying to divide us. But if you were in the theater on April 26, 2019, you'd be hard-pressed to see a country divided quite the opposite. And now, as this pandemic causes us to stay apart and to stay away from theaters, it is movies like Cinema Paradiso that remind us why movie theaters and movies in general are so important. Why there is a feeling like no other when you are in a dark theater sitting next to strangers, all watching the exact same thing, yet having completely different experiences. It boggles my mind to think that we find so much passion and so much excitement staring at a flat screen that shows people pretending to be other people while hundreds of other people behind the scenes guide shots and create scenes both in real life and on the computer, all of which comes together to make a seamless world of escape that can be enjoyed over and over and over until the DVD burns out. It's the reason why we worship actors like gods. 
Try to analyze director's scene shots? Try to spot the Easter eggs? It is something completely and utterly human that we may not find on any other planet in our solar system. The idea that we, as a species, have evolved enough to create entertainment for others of our species so that they can feel happy and escape. That is why I love movies, and that is why I love going to the movie theater. So I hope you all take a chance to watch Cinema Paradiso and feel that same nostalgia as I did for seeing movies on the big screen as we all wait and hope that we can return to that magical place soon. For Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein, and I'll see you at the movies.